It's a Punk Rock Classrooms podcast, Season 3, Punk Rock Collaboration with Aaron Austin. Alright, I am stoked for this conversation. I have Aaron Austin with me, a French teacher, a DIY curriculum master, uh, talking to me on the podcast today. I'm super excited. Aaron, say hi to our guests. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Josh. Awesome. I'm ex- I, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you, Aaron, and kind of talk about what you've got going on. I think you are the first foreign language teacher, but then I'm going to get a message. I'm going to get a DM that says like, hey, man. I talk foreign language, <laughs> but I think you are. It's hard to keep track of who Mike talks to sometimes and who I talk to, but I'm really excited to be able to dive in and talk a little bit about this. But first and foremost, if you could, you know, tell our audience who you are, a little bit about you, what you teach and, and what do you do in education? Yeah, um, well, I am a national board certified French teacher, but I'm dual certified K-12 French and K-12 arts. I started my career in Minnesota. And let me tell you, when Prince died, I was in the classroom in tears, sobbing. (laughs) And yeah, everybody with Minnesotan roots felt that. Um, And then after teaching in Minnesota for... 12 years or 13 years, I moved to Colorado and I'm now in Northern Colorado teaching French and AP art history, depending upon the year. Yeah. Um, in an IB high school. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. We have an IB high school in my district. I know like teachers who do that. I, the big IB model, I was a, I was an AP economics teacher. So I always met with the, with the AP, with the IB econ teacher. And we kind of talk a little bit about, you know, what those worlds were like and everything. Um, my, my daughter went to an IB junior high or an IB like elementary and junior high before. So awesome. So in aside from teaching, right. Teaching Mm -hmm. French, teaching art. I love that two combinations, right. Because if you, perfect. Ask, if you ask me, language is a very artistic thing, right? The way that you put words together can feel, you know, poetry that, you know, so yeah. I, I do really, I, I think that's a good connection for me. I almost went to art school. So I've always, I always appreciate, I always appreciate the, the art folks that we get to talk to. So outside of teaching French in Colorado, I kind of want to talk about what are, what are some of the things you're doing? I, I, you know, I mentioned at the top, you're, I, you're a DIY curriculum master, I think. So I want to, <laughs> I want you to share a little bit with, with our audience, like, you know, what do you do in the world of foreign language curriculum? How are you, you know, what are you up to in that? And and why do you think it's important as an educator to kind of be able to build and share the things that, that, that you do in the classroom? Yeah. So I would say in 2012 or 2013, I was introduced to Teachers Pay Teachers, which was a fledgling organization at the time. And I think I started, I I opened a store, but didn't really do much with it. And then in 2014, when I moved to Colorado and moved into the cost of living here, (laughs) I thought, all right, let's circle back. And I really put a lot of work into my Teachers Pay Teachers store and wrote tons of curriculum that I sell on there. And do I, I do pretty well with it. And I think the reasoning for that to get to that second question yeah. of yours 
it's kind of twofold. Number one, it's financial. So for teachers, I, I mean, I, I speak at conferences around the country about this and I'm like, I, when I first started teaching, I was working retail. Yeah. The I side hustle, the side hustle is real as an educator. Yeah. Yeah. I did not care one iota if somebody got the stupid credit card. All yeah. I cared about was don't touch the sweaters that I just folded. <laughs> you know, and every single time I had to go to that job, I'm like, this is awful and soul crushing. And this is not what I paid thousands of dollars for, for my right. degree. Right. But when I write curriculum, that's my degree. Yeah. That is my passion. That is what I can do. And it feels useful. And I can do it in my pajamas, <laughs> which so, is better than trying to fold all those sweaters in your pajamas. They probably Yeah, do. absolutely. Yeah. And I can do it while drinking wine because I think it helps my French. Yeah. I but, well, it yeah. makes sense. <laughs> yes, it stands to reason. But the second reason why is that I have found so often over the years that when you buy things from like teacher catalogs and stuff, you get them and it's just like, dang it. I, First of all, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Second of all, there's errors in it. Ah, oh, man. So this is a chance to create higher quality materials at a lower price mm -hmm. and for buyers to support teachers. Right, right. Rather than big curriculum companies. So I love that. Yeah, it's really the sort of, I mean, when we, you know, on the show, we talk a lot about DIY, we talk about supporting the scene, and we talk about that idea of like, we're, we're like a scene of educators, right? And, and so yeah. when you can build that group of people, and, and we support each other, I think that's a fan, a fantastic way to do it, especially when it's not and I, I do like the, let's stick it to the, the big textbook company man sort of nature of it. Right. Yeah. And so, so I can appreciate that. So when you're building that curriculum and, and, you know, being a nationally board certified teacher, having, I mean, it, you're teaching high level French, right. To students, how are you, what are your big thoughts on what this should look like for students? How do you build something or create something that you think is going to be engaging for kids? What is it? What role does that play when you're designing this stuff? It's a lot of trial and error with my own students. Mm -hmm. And I love teenagers. I love them. And it's working with them and figuring out what gets them going. Yeah. And how can I make this into simple things like an informational handout about a concept, fun things like games yeah. around concepts and um, things that teachers need assessments. So I kind of dabble in all of that. Um, and I certainly over the years, I have found like, man, why was I assessing that way? And then I will go and take down all of my assessments that I now think are no good yeah. and recreate new ones that I believe in. It, I, I appreciate that because I, th I think a lot of, of educators have really started to look at what is an assessment and why do we assess the way we assess. And I know for me, mm -hmm. being you know having been an AP teacher, there like you just end up creating assessments that look a lot like the AP exam. And but in reality, we've we've got to do a little more if we really want to see if our kids are able to sort of process those things and make their way through it. I know for me as an economics teacher, those AP exams created a lot of, I have to be able to apply this. Mm -hmm. um, but in my regular econ classes, when, when pandemic hit and we went home, I was like, no more multiple choice tests. I'm done. 
I'm not going to do it anymore. <laughs> Everything is short answer. You can use all of your resources. I'm never going to ask you to define something. I'm going to ask you to create something or and to apply, apply it and do, and do those things for me. And I, I think there are a lot of teachers when we moved into a different scenario where, where we wouldn't have kids in front of us all the time. And to be real honest, we didn't know what kids were, what resources they were going to look at. Were they on their phone when they're at home? All those things. So we just had to go like, I, you know, we continue to say like, look, if, if Siri can sometimes, if Siri can answer your question, yeah, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe that's not the the best one to ask. And so I appreciate that idea of, of how do we, how do we, I really like the idea of like, you go back and you go, I, I don't like that assessment anymore. I don't like the way I did that. I don't like the way I thought about that. Yeah. Um, so why, why French, Aaron? Why French? Um, well, I come from a long line of teachers and from a young age, I loved working with kids. So I was like, well, I'm going to teach. And then it was like, well, what am I going to teach? And I had a super inspirational French teacher, a national board certified French teacher. And she was just remarkable. And then I, um, my freshman year of college during J term, we had a 414 calendar. I was a teaching assistant in her class um, for credit. And we found a t- round trip tickets to Paris for, I think it was $240. And this was in 1999. I don't even know how we found airfare in 1999. Cause there wasn't <laughs> you had call, you had call somebody. Like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe in the newspaper. I, I don't know, but she and I went to Paris together and that was my first trip there. And I always tell people it was kind of like, I was nervous about it at first because my, my boyfriend at the time dumped me three days before the trip because Ooh. he did, he didn't get into Harvard and he uh, was so distraught Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and dumped me. And I was like, I can't go to the city of love freshly dumped. <laughs> and, and I went to the city of love and I was like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm in love with the city. And of course, what I had to do when I was there, it was on my list. I was like, I need to visit Jim Morrison. Jim mm, is here. I'm going to go. Yeah. And so see I, the, the, the bust with all the graffiti all over it. Oh, and, God. oh man, that's awesome. That's I visit awesome. Jim every time I go and every time there's something weird. It's great. <laughs> that is awesome. So, okay. So I, I always like to hear that idea of like, why did, you know, what was the thing that drove you in? So that teacher, what made her such a remarkable teacher? Well, I had her in middle school and she just had the thing that you need for middle school, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like you have to have a certain kind of personality where just with reckless abandon, you let your freak flag fly. Yes. And it works <laughs> for middle schoolers. Yes. And she had so much energy and I was like, yes, I love her. <laughs> and then when I went to France with her, I'm like, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. That's awesome. So what do you take as a classroom teacher? Like I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to ask, you know, so do you let your freak flag, freak, freak flag fly as a, as a French teacher? <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> so oh yes. Yeah. What does that mean for you as a, as a French teacher? What does that look like in your classroom? Uh, well, um, I haven't done this lately because my guitar is out of tune. And if I try to tune it, this, the, tr- the strings are going to break. But I used to teach all of my 
Well, I do teach all of my verbs to music. I saw, I, saw that, I saw that on your website. I was looking through and I saw a post about, you know, the big, I don't know anything about French, but I think my, do- yeah. my daughter is taking French in college right now for her foreign language. And I, I remember I had to buy a $300 textbook. That's what I know. <laughs> but, but, so I, so like you, what kind of songs you're doing? What does this look like for them to help them remember? Um, well, we put it to fairly simple tunes, yeah. like the verb for to want, we put to na 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 na, hey, 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 goodbye, oh, um, right. or whatever the actual name of that song yeah. is. Um, but most of them, like I, I would play guitar and, you know, I would make sure I'd wore jeans that day so that I would slide across the floor on my knees <laughs> playing the song and they would just be like, what's happening? But sing. Yes. Um, my smart board screensaver is Dave Grohl. Um, <laughs> and we use Dave in like every example. that we do. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I appreciate that. I mean, I, having taught high school for 15 years, I think that's the true thing, right? You have to be willing to make a fool of yourself. Um, I used to have a puppet who taught uh, the, the way a bill went through uh, the legislature. So I had an Eagle puppet who was a Senator nice. and he would teach how, how a bill went through Congress. Um, so That's awesome. Those yeah, are the it, dumb things you do, you know, but it may, but kids remember then, right. you know? And I also tell my students, I'm like, sometimes it's not about French. Yeah. You know, if, if they bring something up that I need to go on a tangent, that's, that's all right. And I have been known to give lectures on how to get to the front row of concerts. And there's diagrams that look like football plays, you know, kids come up and we do like example, like role playing. And I I tell them, I'm like, you know, this is going to last for X number more minutes and then we're going to get back on it. Right. (laughs) But this is also important as long as you don't use it for evil. And by then they know that evil means at a country concert. Right. You can't, you can't use it there. I do use my knowledge for that. I I appreciate it. Cause there there are times in class where like, especially, I mean, having, having taught, you know, high school and I know junior high kids are the same way. Someone will say something and you're like, no, we got to talk about that. You, you are wrong. We cannot have, we cannot move on if we don't all discuss this. Like I would, absolutely. I had teaching economics. I would use like breakfast cereal as an example of choice. And so we would have very large debates about what the best breakfast cereal was before we could move on to the next part of, of, you know, the lesson on economics, but Letting kids know that you're a human being, building those relationships with them is super important to, to like, I, if, if we're not going to do that, when we have to do the really hard stuff in French or in economics or whatever you're teaching, they're just not always there for you, right? You got it. You have to like show them like, no, it's okay. We can be goofy. So that way, you know, if you mess up, it's okay. I like we're, you know, everybody's okay here to kind of be a fool. And if that means I have to do something foolish or you make a mistake, it's okay. We can all move on from it. And I I think that's a really, that's a really cool thing. And like letting kids know too, um, just snippets about you, appropriate snippets about, about your life. Um, So like uh, this past semester, um, when I started the year, you know, we were talking, we were practicing the past tense and talking mm-hmm. about various things that happened over the summer. And I told them that uh, I became a published author. And I had some students in that class who are 
super gifted young writers yeah. who just perked up and they're like, well, what do you mean? Aren't you a teacher? And I'm like, yeah, but I'm also a traditionally published author. <laughs> and they're like, oh, well, okay. And that made a different connection. Right. I, I think that's the thing is when it, letting kids into that piece of it really does help them know who we are and all those little parts of ourselves that we bring in can connect with another part of another student. So I like how you did your own segue for me, Aaron. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, so I, let's talk about your book. Let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about what you're writing about. What are the things you're doing? Yeah. So I, I, said that I have a, a teachers pay teacher store and you know, that's like making money on a third party platform. Right. But I'm really into listening to the podcast side hustle school mm -hmm. and Chris Gillibo is great. He wrote the art of nonconformity, which is awesome. <laughs> but Chris always talks in that podcast about like, you want to look at what you can do and how that can branch off into other things. Yeah. So I was like, great, I'm selling things on a third party website, but how can that branch off into other things? And I started like I got a intellectual property lawyer and I have a teachers pay teachers partner. She's a Spanish teacher and she and I both make things. And then we send them to the other one to translate into their language. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So it's great. And throughout this whole process with my partner and the lawyer, I just realized like I, through a lot of trial and error, I've learned a lot yeah. and I, I can help other teachers make money and quit those freaking retail jobs <laughs> or driving for Uber or right. serving. Uber Eats and yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So um, my state and local union had a thing where they, um, long story short, I was able to offer a class mm -hmm. to teachers in my district about how to do this. It was a five session class. They actually got one graduate credit for it. Awesome. And I still have people in that class emailing me like, Aaron, oh my God, this month I had my best month ever and here's what I made. And I used that class as a rough draft and I wrote manuscript proposals. I mean, I'm a language teacher. I'm right. fascinated by language and I have an art degree. Like creativity is key. Right, right. And I was like, I, I can do this. And I wrote manuscript proposals and sent them to 10 different traditional pub publishers and Routledge Bit. Awesome. And I am now uh, published with the ultimate guide to selling your original world language resources. That is rad. And I, I think I'm assuming that your guide is also helpful to people who aren't, who aren't world language teachers, but could probably be pretty helpful for anybody else. Yes, this is true. The concepts are the same. Yeah. It's just that my examples in the book are world language focused. Right. right. Yeah. So I, I can, I can greatly appreciate this sort of this DIY because, you know, growing up in music, growing up mm -hmm. in sort of that world, um, it was all about what can you do to, to get yourself to the show or be in the show or put on the show or put out the tape. And I had friends who ran record labels and all that stuff. So I always appreciate when, when, when folks are taking the reins and going, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to teach other people how to do it. I think that's the coolest part about it is it's not you did it. And, you know, like I'm, a, I'm the master of this. This is what I get to do. Right. But the idea that we share that with other people so that we can grow that community of people, community of creators. Right. Yeah. It's, it's better for teachers right. and it's better for kids because it creates more high quality 
creative materials right that are so, kind of peer reviewed right i think that's the best thing right like yeah. if 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 i think we create this sort of you know network of teachers who go like yes this is a really good resource and they share it with others and they law you know they give the link or they do that or you know what selling is better than other things so i how do you like what's your favorite thing that you have on that that you've created in curriculum wise, what's your favorite lesson that you've got up there or, or thing that you've done? Um, there's a couple things. I really like the games that I create mm-hmm. for um, either vocabulary or grammatical concepts. And I also really like my original projects because as someone with an art background, I just look at things differently, you know, and I'm mm-hmm. thinking like, how do I take language and like I teach French, I get a lot of artsy kids in my classes, you know, and how do I take my kids' creativity and combine it with language and really create something that they can use the language and be proud of what they did? And so like, for example, I'm about to have my, my students do my school version of this project next week. I have, we're learning all about like places in town and like prepositions and giving directions to people, all vocabulary that you need when you travel. Right. 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 So kids have to create their very own city. And some kids do 3d. Most kids do drawing. Some do um, collage and they have to tell about how different places are related to each other, give Mm. directions from one place to another. Um, And I tell them like your, your place can have a theme. I remember one kid course I remember this it had a rock theme and there was like Van Halen street and all sorts of different things. That's awesome. I was like, oh, this kid knows his audience. Well played. He knew what he was doing. He, he knew yeah. the assignment as they say. Yeah. Uh, so I, 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 that's cool. I really do like that idea. I, as a, as somebody who's on a campus, where we're moving more into project-based learning and, and how do we do these things that are, that, that engage kids, something like that engages kids in multiple you know, uh, multiple ideas and, and multiple, you know, the art that goes behind it. But then when you're creating that and you're doing dimensions, you know, like the math that you can put into it and all those different things. Like I think about as a, as a teacher who had to teach ge- geography, right. That's another thing just for me as a non-foreign language teacher, that would be a, a very useful thing. I could take out all the hard French stuff and, <laughs> and do it in English, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so I've got two, two more questions, two more questions for you. Here's, here's one that, that we like to ask guests when we have them on. Um, if there was one thing, I, this is this punk rock classrooms podcast. Uh, <laughs> we want to fight the man a little bit. If there was yeah, one, do we fin? Do we <laughs> right. Fin? If there was one thing you could do to change education or one thing you could change about education, what would it be and why? It's a tough one because we all, as educators, we all have like a list, right? Yeah, it's like, there's what's, a list. Yeah. What's the one thing I want to talk about, right? If you could change one thing about education or do differently in education, what would it be? I'm going to give you two things. One is like the actual answer and one I'm hoping is just like a circumstantial okay. answer. Okay. So my circumstantial answer, hopefully, public support. Yeah. Widespread public support. Yeah. Um, that's hard right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I am re- like, when you've taught for a long time, you understand, like, there are, there are phases, right. you know, right. and I'm really hoping that this is a phase. 
So as a a teacher in Arizona, I completely understand. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So that one I'm hoping is just circumstantial. Yeah. Pandemic and the phase. Yeah. But I am really into global education. And I really wish that this was, uh, I mean, this is uh, something that's kind of spearheaded by the Harvard Graduate School of Education, World Savvy, the Asia Society. And I really wish that more teachers were bringing that into their classroom. And the best way to describe global education for any listeners that are like, "Uh, what is that exactly? It's not learning about the world. That was relevant decades ago. Mm. Global education is learning with and from the world. Mm. So it's getting kids out of the classroom into communities, into their greater region, state, partnering with schools across the country and across the world, because we can do that now with technology. We absolutely can. And we need to, because we need to prepare kids for the world that they're going to enter after K-12. Right. And right. it's globalized. I, I like that. I like that. I know. And especially you just said it, we can do that now so much easier. I mean, you and I are talking states, states apart on, on yep. zoom. And, um, you know, I know my teachers have taken advantage of bringing experts into their classroom this year at, you know, via the internet and last year and those things. And we have that opportunity. What I would like to, I like that. Do you know of a place where those connections can be made for teachers? Do you know a, a resource? Oh, that teachers can do Yeah. That? I mean, like with um, K six ish, I think one of the best things to do is get on empatico.com. Empatico partners, teachers on opposite sides of the world, and their classes work together on projects. So I was a NEA Foundation Global Education Fellow class of 2018, and I had some fellows in the group who are elementary teachers that did Empatico, and it's so freaking cool. Like they said, oh yeah, my classroom was working with a classroom in Kenya or wherever, and we were doing these math projects together. That's awesome. And it was so cool. But I think the flip side of that coin is of providing these experiences to students. Teachers need to go get them too. Yeah. You know, and like we can't teach kids to be globally ready without being globally ready ourselves. And man, there's tons of free stuff out there for us, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Getting out there and getting it. Apply. Right. Right. And you you and I both know as educators, it's it's sometimes tough to find that energy and time to do that. But when That's we key. but when we do find that energy and time, when we make time and we 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 give a little push we can find some really great things to help us be better at what we do. Right. Absolutely. It just, it just takes a second to do it. All right. My last, my last question. It's a punk rock classrooms. Uh, what podcast, I'm listening Aaron. to. My question is, what are you listening to Aaron? Share with me. What are you listening to? Yeah. What's getting you going in the morning on your way into school? What are you cranking the volume up on in the car to get you ready for the day? <laughs> well, my five-year-old routinely <laughs> requests Beastie Boys in the car. Hey, that's a good that's five-year-old huge. by my account. Quiet Riot. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I've been thinking about this question because I knew it was coming. And I have two answers. Number one, I'm always listening to anything Dave Grohl does. So okay. right now, his collaboration with Liam Gallagher, mm-hmm. um, Everything's Electric. I'm like, damn, that song <laughs> is so awesome. They co-wrote, Dave plays yeah. drums on it. Are you gonna are you gonna go see the the Dave Grohl, the Foo Fighters movie, the Foo Fighters horror movie that they're putting uh, out? Yeah, Studio 666. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, but I need to. Yeah. Tickets to their show in LA. Yeah. Oh, cool. But 
I'm, I'm just excited because when Liam Gallagher puts something out and it's like, Ooh, when's Noel going to reply <laughs> that it's rubbish. And, when he's, you know. when is he going to put his, his beef piece? Right. Right. Now, right. right. Yeah. yeah. I do. But I do love that. Yeah. My other thing that I have been listening to a lot is something you would never expect to hear on this podcast. And it's Taylor Swift red Taylor's I'm gonna, version. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you right now. I had a teenage daughter when Taylor Swift was the OG Taylor Swift. Uh, and I love Taylor Swift. <laughs> well, she writes her own music. That's right. I'm not huge into pop, but I am huge into supporting women in music. And years ago, I heard uh, Billy Joel Armstrong talk about like, yeah, Green Day started as a punk band. And then when we became more rock, everybody in the punk world was like, oh, you're selling out. Yeah. But really transitioning to rock was almost the most punk rock thing we could have done, <laughs> you know? And so I kind of feel like when Taylor re-recorded Red, right. just to stick it to the record company, that is punk rock. <laughs> that is punk rock. That is punk rock. I got, I, I got to give her that, but I'm, I'm a giant, I'm a giant Taylor Swift fan. I, you know, my daughter and I, I think we did a cover version of some Taylor Swift before my son was like three and there's video of him, maybe two, with one of my guitars, just saying never, ever, ever, <laughs> just over and over again, because that's what you can repeat when you're three, you know, oh, yeah. two and three years old. Um, but yes, I appreciate both of those uh, very much. So uh, awesome. Well, Aaron, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can people find you on the internet? Um, well, I'm relatively new at it, but I'm dig in Twitter. There's some good music stuff on there and great <laughs> education stuff. So I am at Aaron dash E H dash Austin. All right. Aaron dash E, dot e dash E H dash Austin. Correct. All right. Yeah. Find her there. And what's your website? Uh, onigomadam.com. <laughs> so it's That's... here we go, madame. It's O N Y G O madame m-a-d-a-m-e right go check it out there's tons tons of resources if you're a foreign language teacher i bet you having heard you talk about the city one i bet you could find some other useful resources that you could adapt to what you do in your classroom so uh thank you so much aaron for coming on i appreciate it it was a blast talking to you i feel like i need to go listen to some food fighters right now i'm gonna go put on <laughs> i'm gonna i have uh the color and the shape on vinyl next to me i'm gonna put that on and <laughs> rock out the rest of my day i appreciate I support that, that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for being here ladies and gentlemen you know that you can find us on the website at punk at punkrockclassrooms.com you can find us on the internets and Instagram and Twitter at punk classrooms, or uh, you can find me at Josh R. Buckley and you can find Mike at Mike R. Earnshaw. We love all of you for being here and listening in, share the show with your friends, share Aaron's website with your friends, your, your foreign language teacher in your building, hunt them down, give them her website, support the scene. And we'll see you at the show. Podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. We'll see you on the next episode.